You're listening to the Kingdom Culture Church Podcast. To connect with us, hop on social media or go to kingdomculturechurch.com.au. Hey church, good to be with you again. We're in the second week of our preaching series, Remember, Seek, Find. This week, obviously we're looking at seeking God and what that looks like. This is such an important series for us in this moment. I really believe, Pastor Heather really believes, the Spirit of God is on this because it's very easy in uncertain times to drift. It's very easy just to go, oh, it'll sort itself out. I'll, I'll come back on board. I'll, I'll prime the pump once uh, everything's back to normal. We don't know when things will be back to, quotes normal, whether there ever will be a normal. I'm not even sure what that means. The truth is, there is never any difference in God's economy. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his desire for us to remember him, to seek him, to find him, is current, is present, is eternal. So in the first week, we looked at how memory, our history with God, is used to stir us again to faith in God. When we remember God, his ways the way he has led us in times past, the promises over our lives, then there has never been a better time to be alive than in this exact moment. Because when our faith is stirred, the natural response is to seek God more. We are made, you and I are wired to seek God with our whole heart. Hebrews 11, 5 to 6 says, By faith... Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. Somebody once, I once heard somebody say that God and uh, Enoch, they went for a walk and um, they kept on walking, kept on walking and then God turned to Enoch and said, hey, we're nearer my place than yours so why don't you come home with me? I don't know whether that's um, how it was but it goes on to say, now before he was taken, Enoch, he was commended as having pleased God and with Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. He rewards those that seek him. That's Hebrews 11, 5 and 6. You see, there are rewards for people who seek God. There just are. The Bible is full of what life is like for the person who seeks God in this life. And the Bible also speaks about heavenly rewards, the ones that we receive once we've run this earthly race. You know, is it like the Woolworths rewards card? You know, you go to churches or you go to Woolworths, you know, and you you swipe your orange card at the checkout and you get some points on your purchases. You know, go to church as often as possible, swipe the heavenly rewards card as I exit the building and I get five points for each service that goes towards my kingdom treasure. Or maybe, uh, I don't know, the KCC worship merchandise. The, there's special rewards on water bottles this month. You get an extra 10 bonus points at the online checkout. Well, I'm just telling you like the scripture says it. The word reward doesn't mean mansion in heaven, doesn't mean streets paved with gold, doesn't mean gold bars, jewels, stocks and shares. It means wages. You put in a good day's work, you'll get paid at the end of it. Confronting. 
So in all fairness to you, I need to be clear. The message isn't that all believers will be rewarded equally. Socialism isn't the oxygen of heaven or the kingdom of heaven. Capitalism isn't either. So rewards may not mean anything to you or I now, but they will then when you and I are standing in the heavenly wage line. There is a reward for a life well lived. There just is. There is a reward for those that seek him, Hebrews 11 tells us. These truths are not some awkward side doctrine. For Jesus was very clear and he addressed this principle in Matthew and Luke. In the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, he, he talks about the parable of the talent. We love to spiritualize this story. But its essence, the essence of this story is just this. Three men were given different amounts of money by an entrepreneur, a businessman. Two of the men started businesses or they invested the money and they doubled the original capital, the original investment. I can feel Dan Rayner just frothing at this uh, analogy. The third man made a judgment call. I'll just hold on to this investment because I don't agree with this businessman's philosophy of trying to get more on my original investment. On his return, the businessman took the money off him, gave it to the man who doubled his investment. One of the morals to this story is that God doesn't work fair. Another one is this. The reward was given to the person that had even more. So how does this tie into seeking God, you may be asking? Well, do you value the original investment of internal life that is in you? The master's original instructions. He said, build on that investment of the life that I've put in you as a believer. Build on the investment that I've deposited in you. Are you valuing the desire you have for seeking God by investing it or squandering it? Are you, the ability to seek God, are you investing or squandering? The Greek word for, um, the Greek word for seek in this scripture is epizitio, I think it is, epizitio. And we'll probably put that at the bottom of the screen for you. That word means to seek in order to find, which again brings up that whole thing of a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This isn't aimlessly wandering. This is the rock, sure knowledge that you and I have experienced for years, that when I turn my face to seek him, when I turn my head and my hand, my face towards heaven, I will find him just as he promised. In this life. And because I've found him in this life, I will find him in the next. This is good news for you and I. Or as Hebrews 11:6 in the message tells us, it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe that he both exists and he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. He cares enough to respond to you and I going after him. He doesn't hide himself away. He responds like the loving father that he is. 
Over 10 years ago, an 89-year-old millionaire called Forrest Fenn hid $1 million worth of gold and jewels and antiques in a treasure chest in the Rocky Mountains, somewhere between the borders of New Mexico and the Canadian border. Now, he published his autobiography with a 24-line poem that gave clues to the treasure's whereabouts. Thousands of people hunted for it. Many quitted, quit their jobs and used up their savings in search of this treasure. Four people died in pursuit of this treasure. Many denounced it as a hoax. But this week, it was found exactly where Forrest Fenn had left it. You see, you don't sink your savings into something you don't believe exists. You don't quit your job for something that you don't believe can be found. This is the epizotio, the seek in order to find that the scripture is talking about investment. If you seek him, if you invest in seeking him, you will find him, you will be rewarded, your life will benefit from seeking God. As so are we investing in our spiritual health by seeking God? Or, let's be honest, have we all got a little bit COVID flabby around the middle? I've noticed that believers are becoming tired. They're becoming bored and frustrated by this lockdown. And human nature has a tendency to drift towards bad habits in these circumstances. It seeks to find a cause to rally around. Or seeks to find offence, especially offence at somebody's actions or offence at people not agreeing with them. You know, it's almost becoming an offence to not be offended by things. Laughable but true. I sincerely believe, though, that God is asking us to devote and channel our energies at this time as a kingdom, church, kingdom culture church family into seeking God and building the kingdom. When we do we will find him. And finding him will be even more beautiful and more awesome than we imagined. You know, there's no getting around it. The scripture is filled with encouragement for us to seek God and that there are benefits of living a life that seeks after God. I've chosen a few scriptures today to encourage you to stir up your faith and stir us to seek God. Matthew 6, 31 to 33, well known. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and, and all of these things will be added to you. Let me ask you this, in our daily, in your daily priority list, in my daily priority list, do we seek God first? Maybe he's slipped down the priority list to third or fourth position. Maybe he's slipped off that priority list entirely. You know that fear of missing out, fear of being overlooked, impatience, not loving the season that we're in and getting the benefit out of it, like we've looked at in James last year, it can cause a flip in our priorities, a leaning into that you've got to look after number one because no one else will. Whereas the scripture says, if you put first, if you seek first the kingdom of God, all of these things will be added to you. See, seek first the kingdom and his 
righteousness, it says. Righteousness is right standing with God. It means living right. It was Abraham's faith that God counted to him as righteousness, right standing before God. It was Abraham's faith that started him on a journey of seeking and following after God. Jesus, in saying, seek first the kingdom of God, was declaring that we all need to realign our priorities. Sometimes my back goes out of alignment. And when it does, it becomes really difficult for me to walk, sometimes to stand, sometimes to straighten up. Maybe I'll get headaches. But I go to a physio. I get my back realigned. And it's amazing the freedom of movement that I find, the ease of doing life that comes back when my back is aligned. Let me tell you, when your alignment is the kingdom, seeking the kingdom first, your life comes back into alignment. There becomes an ease that you walk, that you hold your head up high. You don't get headaches. There's no confusion. Things come back into alignment in your life and there is an ease of the Spirit of God and the flow of God and the favour of God over my life and your life when I have that that alignment correct in my life. So Jesus is saying, get your priorities realigned. 1 Thessalonians 5.23-24 has something to say on this for us. It says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and will do it. What beautiful words. He who has called you is faithful and will also do it. So there's all the the help of the kingdom of God. There's all the help of God himself for us. But notice the order here. It says here, he preserves us spirit, soul, body. Our natural order is body first, flesh first, then my soul, my emotions, my happiness, my comfort, my well-being, then the spirit. He says, when you prioritize the spirit first, then the soul, then the body, then clothing, finance, needs, and all of that start to flow out of that realignment. You know, the gospel of Jesus isn't me first. It's kingdom first. It doesn't matter what age you are today. If you will say, not me first, but the kingdom of God first, that is a life that is in alignment with God. And that will... Stir up the outpouring of the favour and blessing of God to come and rest upon your life. You know, I learnt this early. I learnt this through a church that I got born again into, became a Christian into it when I was 13, and it taught us teenagers really well. I learnt at a young age that it would be spirit first, then soul, then body. And when I do that, I can trust God with all things being added to me. And I have lived a life that has lacked for nothing. Lacked for nothing. Doesn't mean I got everything I wanted, but everything I've needed, I have never lacked for. My heart's desires and the things that I long for, he has provided for me as my life has been aligned. And I had to say at this point as well, I have had to bring my life, my priorities back into alignment consistently. 
And that's not failure. That's just good management of your spiritual health and your soul. Another scripture which talks of seeking God is found in Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and a thirsty land where there is no water. Psalm 63, 1 and 2. Listen to the words. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. Are you, are you an aggressive and persistent seeker of God? Do you long for him? Are you chasing after him? Or are your days hit and miss? Listen, if I'm going to be strong, if I'm going to have a vibrant relationship with Jesus, I must pursue and seek God daily and fervently. I must. When we are weak with God, temptation is strong. When we are strong with God, temptations are weak. The weaker I am with God, the stronger temptations are in my life. The stronger I am with God, then the weaker temptations are in my life. It's just the truth. Listen, earnestly and fervently. I don't know what you feel when you hear those words, but I believe that we have become, the church has become almost like we disdain those words in Christian circles. We sneer them. We're, you know, rather than promote them, we actually sort of go, oh, fervent and oh, earnest. It's got the width of fanaticism. It shouldn't have. It's got the width of old school. It shouldn't have. It's got the width of formula. It shouldn't have. You know, in the early 1970s, the UK, where I, I was, where I went, where I was educated, they changed to modern maths from old school maths, and then they changed back to old school maths in the 1980s. The result was that a whole generation that left school, they left school with no love or interest in maths, and that is so sad. I still hate maths, but. That generation, there's a whole swathe of people who couldn't solve everyday problems because their maths were lacking. A generation woefully under-equipped for the workforce. Let me say this. The idea to modernise our daily devotions to, to God, our prayer, our worship, our reader, reading scripture and so on, it will come up time after time with every generation of church believers. The I do my connect time with God in the car on my way to work. So we should never be surprised when we have raised a section of people in that generation to have little love or little interest for Bible reading, prayer or worship. We do it to our detriment and we do it to theirs. Sometimes we find ourselves dry and thirsty. Like the psalmist says, I'm in a dry and a thirsty land, absent of water. What do I do with this? What do you do with this? Is early seeking of God your first or last response to a crisis, to a bad health report, to a mountain that won't budge? Do you seek God first or do you seek God after every resource has been found to fail? Sometimes we can look at people or families in church and we can go, they're just lucky, they're favoured, they're blessed. We've all thought it. Don't feel bad. They must have been born lucky. They've found something. No, they haven't just found something. They've actually just learned to seek God 
fervently. They've invited God into their lives. They've sought after God. They've invited their God into their children's lives, into their marriages, into their finances, into their lives. That's the difference between people who have the touch of God, the favour of God, the presence of God in their words, in their mannerisms, in their dispositions. It's not luck. It's seeking God early and pursuing him, believing he can and wants to be found, and he wants to be found for you today. You know, you might be saying, Pastor Rob, I didn't come to church to be made to feel uncomfortable or be made to feel inadequate. You know, any thought of you being inadequate today comes from the pit of hell. Any prompting of seeking God comes from the halls of heaven. The scripture is clear. He is a rewarder of those who seek him. And I remind you again that you may not put value on that now, but you will then. There's a clue to this in Psalm 27 verse 8, and it's the posture of a soft and responsive heart before God. It says, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. There's a humility and a soft heart in the psalmist. Now, how do you keep your heart from responding to the Holy Spirit's invite? How do you keep it from going, I'm too busy? You know, it's not rocket science. None of this is rocket science. It's practice. Leaders, Kingdom Culture Church leaders, we need to nurture our youth. We need to nurture our young adults. We need to nurture our adults with a tenderness and a yieldedness towards God's prompting. We need to tell those that we lead that God has first call on our lives and on your time, they, that, they have, that God has first call on their time and their life. We need to tell them that a time of scripture reading, prayer and worship of, let's say 15 minutes at the beginning of the day, is presenting the best you to the world. Heck, we do our hair, we shower, deodorant, makeup if you wear it, we coffee, we have breakfast, we do that to present the best us to the world. So let's insert time with God so that we present our best us to the world. You know, I'd love to tell you there's another way. My Instagram feed at the moment is full of things like shortcuts to a fatless life or six packs just by speaking life to your COVID belly. You know. But I'd be doing you a disservice if I told you that's how this is going to be for you, that there's no effort in seeking God. It just happens because it ain't true. At 14, I was taught to fast. Now, I don't remember a leader telling me I needed to fast, but I was taught to fast. You know, I can remember I had a big bar of Cadbury's Dairy Milk Chocolate. It was a really big one. And in those days, at the age of 13, 40, I could just stuff one of those, probably two away at a time. But I felt God say to me, I want you to spend time seeking me and you're not to eat that. Now, that might sound really weird to you. I don't know. But I want to tell you, God is into doing weird stuff. But I did that. And I, every day, I would look in the fridge and I'd go, is it time? And he'd go, no, it's not time. 
So I'd walk away and I'd go and pray and do things. And I can tell you, God met with me. I can remember it vividly. That he broke open scripture to me. I worshipped him. There was just something about it. Now, don't, don't, don't look down upon this because it's so important that you understand this. And I think it went on for about two or three weeks every time. Now, Lord, no, not now. Okay. Let me tell you what was happening in that, in that season. And I, I, I say this with humility, but, but I'm using the, this phraseology. I trained myself to hear his voice. I trained myself to know his restraint. I trained myself to feel his release. To hear his voice, no, it's not time to eat that. To know his restraint, no, you have self-control, don't eat that. I trained myself to feel his release when he said, yeah, it's time, you can go ahead and do that. We all need that in our lives because we face temptations. We face things that the world chucks at us, that we have to hear his voice. We have to have restraint. We have to feel his release. And then I grabbed my guitar and I worshipped. I trained myself to seek after God in that situation. Let me finish with this great scripture. Titus 2, 11 to 12. We don't get into Titus much. God's marvellous grace has manifested in person, bringing salvation for everyone. This same grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles, and it equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. In this present age. In this present age. Listen, we all know saving grace. We all know redeeming grace. But we all need to know teaching grace. It says here in this scripture, grace has appeared, bringing salvation to everyone, and it teaches us how to live each day. Listen, we love the saving grace. But grace doesn't mean it's a free-for-all and everything is permissible. He says, I will teach you how to live in this present world. There is nothing like the presence of God in your world. Nothing. That's why we seek him. You know, and seeking his presence looks an awful like leaving ungodliness, according to Titus. Seeking his presence looks like turning our back on indulgent lifestyles. Seeking God looks like living self-controlled lives, living uprightly, living godly lives in this present age. Anyone trying to sell you intimacy with God without a cost is selling you short. And I'd like to invite you to respond to this word today. You know, I've been talking about responding and yielding to the promptings of God, and I believe the Holy Spirit is all over this word this morning. I'm going to ask you to do something, and I know many of you might, you might be meeting with family members. You, I don't know what your, your situation is at home, but I'm going to ask you to stand. If your heart in this season is to seek God, I don't want you to be embarrassed. Forget people that are around you. You need to answer this. God, I actually do want to seek you. I I need you more. I've never needed you more than I do now. So stand to your feet and I'm going to pray for you. Father, we thank you that you're calling us to seek you, to remember you, to seek you, to find you. We believe that as seekers, we will find you. We believe that there will be rewards for those that seek you, rewards in this life, a life that's aligned to you 
there is favor and there's blessing upon it. I pray for those that are standing right now to release the favor of God over their lives as they put you first in their day, as they bring you back to the top of the priority list rather than moving you down the priority list. Jesus, you love us, you care for us, and you give us grace, and you draw us when we seek you. And we thank you for your grace and favor on our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church, for responding. Thank you for responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Hear him this week, drawing you into his presence to seek him. You will be blessed. You will find favor on your life. Amen.